Welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Hey, everybody. It's an all-Hellboy podcast. Hey. We're reading all the Hellboy comics. That? And every week oh, we yeah. interact with our awesome listeners. And now Danielle's going to tell you all about it. No, I'm not. Agent Twiddle is going to tell you all about it. Do you ever find yourself lying awake at night? The darkness closing in around you. Your head filled with the whispers of a thousand questions. <laughs> What does pickle beer taste like? <laughs> Do baked beans in sauce make toast sodden and disgusting? <laughs> How do you pronounce kashe? Kashki? Kashke? Anyway, if this describes you, then you need to tune in to the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Yeah, we don't answer those questions. These damn guys ask the questions other mere mortals dare not. We do. So the next time you're screaming into the darkness, they'll be screaming too. Because that's a book club. And friendship. Aww. Yeah. Oh, so good. Wow, that was amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank and, you so much for that, Mark. Uh, okay, so I will answer the pickle beer question. Um, it was intense. It oh, really right. was. I did, a, I did kind of a kombucha girl thing where yeah. I was like, is it? maybe you drank a whole can of it even though you were saying that very (laughs) gradual though because if i would take a sip and i'd be like oh no this is about well is it i don't know yeah it is no maybe it's not and it was just like that for like however long it took yeah i was able to hold on to like two cans of that beer for him and we haven't talked about this uh and you you haven't even told me what you thought i'm so interested to hear what you thought about this (laughs) okay so at first i'm all like that's fucking pickly (laughs) and and the whole time i'm drinking the beer i'm like do i like this or do i not like this yeah yeah and i was like that through both cans um (laughs) i didn't drink them both on the same night but i i feel like if i was like at a barbecue eating like a burger or something like that i think i would like it better here's the thing it's like i I kind of feel from for me I I I either wanted a beer or just to drink a jar of pickle juice. Like, but that is just having both of it was just like I was so confused. I didn't. Know. I feel like the ratio the <laughs> ratio feel. was was definitely off. I feel sure. like it should have been oh. more beer, less pickle. See, Ooh. I was I would like more pickle and just like I you know I'll either drink a beer or I'll just drink pickle juice. I don't know what the pickle juice beer is supposed right. to. I yeah. don't know. I mean, ultimately, I mean, it was good beer. I mean, I drank it, but with pickle, it couldn't have been that bad. But I mean, it, it, it wasn't like a Budweiser or some crap like that. No, it was, you know what? I absolutely would not drink a Budweiser. So better than a Budweiser is the rating. Yeah. Okay. Is the um, rating for this beer. Important questions but, answered. But um, a friend of mine, she keeps posting on her Instagram stories uh, the same type, but it's spicy pickle beer. Oh, and what? Yeah. Now it's just like, so I got to find that one and the try that saga one. continues. Yes. But I just want to just, that was great. Um. Mark Tweedell, that was that was fantastic. Oh was, yeah, Mark, that was great. It's a book we really club appreciate you and friendship. Really, really nice. Good show. We also got to mention our other pals, Matt Strackbine and Ross Radke. Oh yeah, Milagro made over eleven thousand four hundred dollars in wow. Kickstarter funds funding the book. What does that, that mean? Did they reach all their stretch goals or what both happened? stretch yes, goals were met, uh, and then yeah. a little bit, a little bit over that. Nice. You know what I mean? Which is a maybe nice buffer. Maybe they to can have. pay themselves for yes, their own exactly. labor. <laughs> maybe they can. Uh, 
yeah. compensate themselves somewhat. Yeah, so huge uh, congrats to those guys. It's a big yeah, celebration. Congratulations, I, guys. I feel like I accomplished something, and 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 all I was was the hype oh, man. Yeah? Okay. You know what I mean? But it feels good. <laughs> it, it it feels like a win for all of us in a way. It is. You know it's what I a mean? win for the whole uh, uh, you know community. It's good. I, I'll admit, I, I like yesterday, right before it ended, I just kept checking to see. Uh, see what it was doing and all that. And then like, I saw they lost one backer and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> but then they got like three more, five more or something like that. Right. So yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, very cool. That was awesome. And we'll have to have them back on when it comes out. Oh fuck. Yes. <laughs> I also wanted to talk about uh, something else I posted on social media. Um, I got to meet Frank Cho. Uh, surprisingly, he was at my local comic book store. Shout out to bedrock city. And I wanted to, I wore a Hellboy shirt. And so I had, you know, he did the cover of Hellboy Weird Tales issue six. He signed a lot of your stuff. He signed a lot of comics. He was really nice. You know, I talked to him for a little bit. You know, you just have a couple minutes when you're talking to someone. Yeah, you don't want to take up. It's always kind of awkward. And and you don't want to just be like, oh, I really like. No, you don't want to be awesome or whatever. You know, well, I I usually typically what I'll do is just thank them for coming. Yes. And, you know, for taking the time to come here and. All yeah, right, you know, so um, I chatted with him a little bit, and I said, you know, I was I was a big Hellboy fan, right? And I brought out the twenty years of covers because that oh, Weird Tales uh, cover is yeah. also in that book. He does, and he was surprised. He had no, he hadn't seen it. He I was like, know. "Oh, what's oh, wow. this?" And I said, "Oh, this is Hellboy twenty years of covers." You didn't know that you're in this, and he was like, "No, I didn't." Oh, that's and so. Great. He turned to the page and he got out like a silver pen to sign it really nice on the black. That's nice. Oh, uh, nice. He said, when I turned in this cover to Mike, Mike said, where are the apes? (laughs) And I said, (laughs) I said, apes. And he goes, yeah, you're Frank Cho. You're supposed to draw women and apes. Where are the apes? Wow. And he was like, oh, so. He had to go back in there and put some apes. Put some apes in That's there, yeah. Amazing. So I thought that was such a cool story, you know. Just in the little, tidbit. just in the signing. I like you know. you're telling someone else's story. That's good. I got a scoop for the podcast. Yeah, you got a little scoop there. No, I find it cool that he was there, but like I follow him on like, you know, the social medias and I had no idea he was in town. So like, I'm That's not fun. a good follower. <laughs> he sounds like a, he sounds like a nice guy. Sounds yeah, like nice he was guy. there yeah. for a while and he signed, I mean. They had to cap the line at a certain point, sure. you know, because yeah. he had to get going. He only had a certain amount of time. It's nice of him to sign for people, though. Yeah, so he was he was really cool, and I just had to share that story sure, yeah. about the That's Hellboy fun. Weird Tales cover. So anyway, awesome shout I like out when, to. I like when people tell stories. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah, shout out to Frank Cho and to Bedrock City Comics for putting on that yes. free signing. It was free. You just had to show up and stand awesome. in line. So, Everybody yeah. that works there is always just so like psyched to be there yeah you yeah know what i mean like they're super so cool environment everybody was really nice cool, yeah i ran into a bunch of friends yeah you know that, nice. that I, I usually run into at these kinds of things and you know it was nice we all had our masks on you yeah. know we we're right, being right, safe right. about yeah, it and stuff like it. that yeah Masks. Glad to hear uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was cool. And uh, a little late to the game, we had our three-year anniversary oh, at the we? end of July. All right, we didn't even talk oh, about shit. it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So we are actually into our fourth year now. We're two episodes already in. How about that to oh, uh, wow. this new year of uh, podcasting. So I'm excited what the new year will bring. We'll have some more content for you guys. I wish there was a different name for it besides podcasting. <laughs> what What should we call it? Let's make a new name for this yeah, new year. We We're going to call it something that. different. Yeah, we should. The Hellboy uh, Book Club. I, I'd rather we just be Friendship Show. <laughs> friendship Show. There friendship you go. Show. Hellboy you know, Book Club Friendship Show. I downloaded my yeah. Friendship Shows on my app, yeah. on my phone. I, down, I downloaded my Friendship Shows. 
my my radio programs. There you go. We're gonna coin that. My uh my mystery stories. Awesome. I like podcast myself. I don't like it. It's bad actually. <laughs> and now we're gonna move on to our listener feedback. You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club. Get out. We had some listener feedback from Ryan Yule. Ryan Yule. Book club member. Sure is. Yeah, Ryan said, regarding those pages from the yearning, uh, the Ben Stenbeck pages from that little hashtag my little booklet. Right. Mm-hmm. He said there are still five affordable pages left for sale through Ben's art dealer splash page art. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you guys want to check them out. They're pretty affordable. 50 or 60 bucks for okay. a little oh, page, nice. you know. So that's pretty cool. Ryan also said, A Hand of Glory is also used correctly in the Hellboy story, Being Human. That was done by Richard Corbin. It works on Hellboy, but not on Roger. Yeah, do you uh, remember that? Oh, yeah, that, that was a good story. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, to the late Richard Corbin. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Ryan. I totally forgot about that one. We also heard from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan. Book club member. Christopher said, I was choking back laughter at the gym. From when I yelled out, devil went down to Georgia. Remember that in the last episode? That's not even, that's not even the tune of the song. I know. Also, it's not. It's not it didn't apply song. to what we were talking about either. Song. It didn't apply to what we were talking about. <laughs> I don't. Uh... But I left it in the show oh. and it was funny. Okay. He said, I was trying so hard to not look like a lunatic while doing my cardio. I love that. <laughs> nice. I love messing up somebody's cardio or daily activity because they're laughing at the podcast. That's awesome. We also got a message from Ross Radke. Ross Radke. Book club member. He sure is. Ross said that he had no idea that they had so many uh, comics to tie in with the animated films. And neither did I, honestly. Yeah, there are a lot of them. You know, we've gotten a lot of episodes out of these. There's the three graphic novels, a little the little trade paperbacks and then there's the two hashtag my little booklets i guess they're all my little booklets that came in the dvds so yeah so five i guess five total issues um they should make like a little digest like a little thick digest you know yeah i think we, yeah not, we mentioned did that. i not yeah. say that they should make a trade of these yeah you did because those two little ones are hard to come by yeah. you know well they're all kind of hard to come by i guess we're actually recording a little earlier this week so we haven't had a lot of listener feedback um so we'll save that for after we do our commentaries we'll do a big catch-up on all of our listener feedback on these animated comics and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week this week we're talking about hellboy animated the menagerie this is a hashtag my little booklet mini comic trade paperback thinger that was published in november 2007 it is the final hellboy animated comic released this story is written by jason hall he's an american comic book writer His works include the creator-owned graphic novel Pistol Whip, which was nominated for Harvey and Time Magazine Awards. He's also done like a lot of um, comics based on cartoons. Batman Adventures, Justice League Adventures, Justice League Unlimited, Ben 10, Samurai Jack, Dexter's Laboratory. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then he gets to write a Hellboy animated too. So that's cool. Art by Rick Lacey, who's done some great work on these comics, and colors by Michelle Madsen, and letters by Blambot's Nate Pikos. We got to talk about this cover, right? Yeah, is this is this Humberto Ramos? It is. Oh man, oh, yeah. that's so good. And yeah, if you don't know, uh, Ramos it says that it says it in here. Never mind. He's a Mexican comic book penciler, best known for his work on American comic books such as Impulse, Runaways, The Spectacular Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man and his creator-owned series, Crimson. I was going to say you forgot Crimson, but you didn't forget it. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I was in high school, and I used to spend a lot of time 
at uh, one of my friends' houses. One time, like I found, I found a couple pages of what looked like they were like a little. It was like the size, like a mini comic book. I still have them, actually. Oh, okay. I still have them. You could, you know, I still have them. Like an ash can. Yeah. 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 It was like a little whatever. And so I, they were just like laying around like trash. And I picked them up and like looked at them, and I was like obsessed. And I was like, what is this? Like I had no idea. Like what is this? It was like character designs and like describing the character like their names and stuff i'm like what is this it's a little promo yeah thing. and so like later down the line i like found one of these comics and i was like this is the thing yeah and that was my introduction to umberto ramos and yeah. it, was, it was crimson and it was like i was in high school so yeah, i was yeah. like this is cool and you know and i told Raniel about it and she was like oh wow she's so amped and i was like yeah oh my god i it's like a i'm on like a like a mystic quest to yeah. fucking find this now right because we're we like she she loved underworld she loved all that shit we love yeah, stupid yeah. shit when you're in high school that stuff's good it's not stupid you know, Shut up. And so it is what it is <laughs> blade is good so i was upset i was like what is this right and it just felt like something so one day i'm over at her house and she surprises me it was like a box of honey nut oats cereal but it was like huge it was like <laughs> one that's like an industrial size oh like, like the bulk yeah yeah and i was like what is this and i it, it had writing all over it, and i like opened it up Every Crimson comic, every single one. Yeah. Every oh, wow. single one, the whole entire run, everyone that had ever been made. And I was just like, are you kidding me? And that was in my short little life. That was yeah, yeah. like one of the most amazing thing any friend had ever. That was so thoughtful. She's like, it took me a long time to collect this. Yeah. It took her so long to collect. She went, I mean, and this is back in the day when like, I don't know, like the internet was still kind of. New. It wasn't what right. it is right you now. You can go hunt them down. Yeah, right. Like right now, I could probably type in Crimson all the comics, right? right? And yeah. like buy all of them immediately, like just right now, and have them shipped tomorrow. It wasn't like that. The internet was not. It was the wild west. Like you couldn't do shit like that. So you had to go to individual comic book stores and find all of these issues. And like it took her forever. Yeah, yeah. We and so we sat there the whole day reading these comics, and it was just so amazing. And so it's just one of those things where. And I haven't actually read reread them in such a long time. I haven't revisited that, so I don't know how they've aged or anything. Right, I don't yeah. know anymore. Like what if I went back and reread them? Like what would I think? But like I don't know. My little high school brain thinks, yeah, this is cool. Oh yeah. So I I'm just gonna that. choose to just That's keep awesome. believing that it was awesome because it was just the gesture of it was so yeah. thoughtful and so heartfelt that I, you know. I'll never forget that. It was awesome. So, yeah. Anyway, that's my connection to Umberto. Oh, no. One little addendum, a little epilogue here. The very first comic Palooza was amazing because there was just like 12 folding tables. Right, right. And like just little folding chairs. That's the Houston comic convention. nothing. It was just a nothing at all thing. Like getting a wristband was just walking up and being like, can I have one? And they're like, yeah. You go in and all these comic book people. People were there like they were there and they some of them were looking kind of what is this where like what is this oh, and I right. felt yeah. really bad and I was like I walked up to Umberto Ramos and he was like hi he was so happy to be there and I was like he's like well you're like one of the only people here you want to hang out and like sat behind the table with him and just hung out and talked about comics and his run on you know Kid Flash and like Crimson he's like oh Crimson I haven't thought of that in a million years wow and I got to meet him and I got to hang out with him and that's he was, cool, he was cool yeah. Dude. yeah he was a really cool dude and he was but he was really nice. Awesome. All that to say, Umberto Ramos did this cover. 
Yes, yes. It is cool to see him do some Hellboy stuff. I don't think we've seen him yeah. do anything Hellboy related. So. Well, it's good. I mean, it's a good match with like the, the quote unquote like the animated yeah, yeah. style of it, you know. Yeah, and uh, colors on the cover are by Leonardo Olea. He's a colorist and cover artist who's done a lot of work for Marvel, DC, Boom Studios, and Dark Horse Comics, amongst others. I like Ramos's Abe. I like, uh, I just like his style. I would like to see some Hellboy stuff in like his style. He's, you know, because he's, he's got he's that. He's kind of the poster boy for that chunky. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. Awesome. So the title of this is called The Menagerie. There are a lot of elements from the canon comics incorporated into these, and so. The menagerie instantly makes me think of Ponya and her menagerie of animal yeah. hybrids that she cared for. This little chicken here at the bottom. This story opens up. The crew are traveling over South America in a BPRD plane. We meet the pilot and the co-pilot. And the pilot, he gives the co-pilot a bunch of packets of peanuts to give Hellboy. And he goes, he loves them. And then so as she walks away, he's like, rookie. She's like, okay, thanks. She's super psyched. She's pumped. He's got kind of looks like kind of a doofus, though. I mean, honestly, yeah. in this silo, in the well, not silhouette uh, profile pic. In the cabin, we see Broom, Kate, and Hellboy. Apparently, they're going to some conference. And Kate Hell- is great. Sorry, she's yeah. great. <laughs> and Hellboy's like, "Why do I have to come along? Abe's the one that found the thing." And I like how he's. Lacey draws him smashing his face up against the seat that's, or something yeah, like that. That's so good. I really cute. like that. Very that's cartoony. a good little, yeah. But I could also see him doing that. It's a good mannerism. Yeah, it's good. Kate's, you know that they would have cast Charlize Theron if they could have. Oh, that's a great casting. Oh, I love that. No, they would have. Actually, that's still a good casting. Yeah, yeah it is. Her face shape here is kind of yeah, reminds yeah. me of that. Anyway. Kate says Hellboy has to come because it's good PR to shake hands with all the attendees. And we see the big right hand of doom there, right? Yeah. yeah, parade around the monkey boy, Hellboy mutters to himself. Well, there's no other companion I'd rather have, Aww. Broom responds. Aww. And then so here comes the copot. She just throws all the peanuts That's at Hellboy. That's not appropriate behavior. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, thanks. That's not pro-social behavior. I think she's just nervous. She's like, she's she like meeting a rock nervous. star or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right. Yes. She's like, uh, peanuts, boom. <laughs> Because doesn't he smell like peanuts? Is that, does well, he... I was going to... Okay, so I'm going to mention that. Uh, oh, okay. But I'm, I'm glad you remembered that. Because right. I don't think that that's a widely known thing. I've, we know it because we've read every single issue <laughs> in comic and almost, and a good... Like like a group of insane yeah. people. And a people who are books. insane. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And so of our listeners. <laughs> but, but I'm glad you mentioned that. We're going we're gonna to talk about that. Okay. Uh, but first, Brew mentions that they're landing in Porto Alegre. This is the capital and largest city of the Brazilian state of Rio Grande do Sol. Kate says they will meet Professor Sakai at the conference. So I was wondering, is that the professor from the Sword of Storms? His name was Sakai. And I in the car- was. Yeah, in the cartoon, they said that they knew each other from conferences. Oh, yeah, so I was yeah. like, oh, is that a callback right. to their little in-universe thing? Sure. That's cool. Kate says it was Professor Sakai that helped them find Anshin's remains. What's the deal with this Anshin guy anyway, Hellboy asks. I see you haven't read the report. Am I the only one who did the reading? This gives Kate a good uh, beat to give all the exposition. She talks about the monk Anshin and uh, this folktale. Oh, we got a little uh, little folktale art here. Yeah, Kihomi. Kiyohimi. Maybe that's how you say it. I don't know how to say this. I'm probably saying it wrong. Kiyomi? So this story first appeared in two collections of Setsua or Tales, and I'm not going to pronounce them because I'm going to butcher those. These two versions tell the story of a young widow or an unmarried young house mistress who desired the attention of a handsome monk traveling on a pilgrimage route. 
The monk, in an attempt to avoid meeting her, chose a different route on the return journey, and the woman died in grief when she found out he was deliberately avoiding her. After her death, a great serpent emerged from her bedchamber, and it pursued the monk before killing him in a bell in the Dojoji temple where he had hidden. The name Kiyomi did not appear until the 18th century in a narrative of the ballad drama titled The Scales of Dojoji, a modern version that was first performed in 1742. So there are a lot of different versions of this folktale. And then in this version here in this story, Anshin and Kiyomi fall in love. They do it, which I thought was pretty graphic, depicted, right? I was like, wow, that's like, we don't even see stuff like that in the canon verse. Right. I was like, wow. And is they, Kiyohime? I don't know. Let us know. Pronunciation Corner is back. In the morning, Anshin takes off and he flees back to the temple. Kiyohime chases him and transforms into a snake dragon due to her hatred. Uh, I like how Kate describes it. He, he conveniently remembers his pesky uh, priestly vows. There you go, right? Yeah. So she finds him hiding in the temple bell, and her giant snake body wraps around the bell and dissolves it and Anshin inside in a flood of molten fury. Yikes, Hellboy says. Hell hath no fury, Broom responds. So obviously this is a reference to Hell hath no fury like me when I'm slightly inconvenienced and hungry. That's the mean that's the origin of that phrase. It's a popular t shirt awesome. phrase that I found on the internet. No, just kidding. The real one is how has no fury like a child whose sibling pressed the elevator button. <laughs> a popular phrase to put on a hilarious mug that I also saw on the internet. First written as heaven has no rage like love to hatred turned nor hell a fury like a woman scorned. That's the actual quote. It was in the 1697 play The Morning Bride by William Congreve. The hath is actually a hypercorrection based on the false chronological assumption and perception that the saying is ancient. Isn't that funny? So it's actually like more modern than it lets on to be. It kind of sounds like uh, when people screw up like, you know, uh, or it's like, Luke, I am your father. There you go. Right. That's another one. The actual thing. The morning bride also has another popular phrase. Music has charms to soothe a savage breast. So that's the original phrase. And now it's been turned into savage beast. But um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. There's another part where Hellboy goes into the cockpit and the pilot goes, what smells like peanuts? And Hellboy responds, very funny. So this is what I wanted to talk about because you mentioned that they do talk about he smells like peanuts. So what is that? Is that meant to be a joke or because they don't say in here, are we supposed to know that already? Or like, is it funny because she threw the peanuts at him or is it supposed to be funny because he actually smells like peanuts? I don't know. Well, I took it as because like, and I guess it's because we have like prior knowledge that, you know, he, he has been described as smelling like peanuts and that's just his way of having a really bad joke. Throw some peanuts at him because he smells like peanuts. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But nobody but, else would get that. But it's like, yeah, but you're right. Like they never bring it up in these Hellboy animated stories. <laughs> As Hellboy and the pilot are talking, they hit a bird. Oh no, it's a horde of evil birds and they're all attacking the plane and the passengers. Everyone strap in now, Hellboy yells as the plane engine and instrumentation are taken out by the birds. Yeah, I don't like when they do the do birds like this. I was like, ah, I don't like that. No, I'm not a fan of that. 
So there's a crash landing here, and at the end of it, the pilot and the co-pilot are dead. I don't mind that the pilot died, but I don't think the co-pilot really needed to die, because she just seemed all right, just a little naive, but uh, not like a jackass like the pilot was. In the- know, is, is being kind of a jerk like a capital offense, though? I don't, you know what I mean? Like, oh, no, no, no. Well, you got a good point there, but. Uh... <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it's like, they both seemed like maybe they, I don't know. It was seemed a little brutal. That was a, br- that was a brutal scene. Yeah, I thought it was pretty intense. You know, in these Hellboy animated comics, they like are killing agents off left and right. You know, it seems like they do it a lot. They had a dead little girl talking in the last Hellboy animated comic that we've read. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, yeah. Kate tries Didn't to put the dishes in the dishwasher. Plane crash for you. <laughs> well, I just like to think of it. He, he's just been obnoxious and annoying for like. Slightly annoying. It, plane crash. No, no. You're dead. No, for 15 years. And he just doesn't take a hint. Oh. You know, he probably <laughs> pisses off everybody. You know. Woo. Some hot takes on here. <laughs> Kate tries to radio for help, but she can't get a signal. And the birds watch the team, and soon they I want descend. To hear more about Aubrey's head cannon for the dead pilot. <laughs> I want to hear more about this. That's all as far as I got. Uh, uh, okay, so I don't he, like you know, that they're fucking up birds here. You know, he probably cuts in line at the at the uh, the cafeteria. You know, he Jeez. barks without saying excuse me. They should kill him, probably. <laughs> Damn straight. I think that that's a that's a death word. No, no, he he just needs to die in the line of duty. <laughs> I see. I see. I don't like that they're fucking up all these birds. I'm not a fan of that. I don't yeah. like that shit. I don't like hurting animals or anything like that. It's horrible. Don't do it. What if yeah. they're not like really birds? They're just demon in bird form. Make them look more like demons then because they just look like birds that are being killed and tortured. They don't look like demons. Make them look like demons. Yeah. Then. You know what I'm saying? As the team walk through the forest, they notice a lot of fog and Broom wants to turn back. They get to where their clearing should be and instead they find this castle. After some scholarly back and forth between Kate and Broom, Kate says it resembles Castle Del Monte, built by Roman Emperor Frederick II. So all this is actual historically accurate. Like even the castle, that's exactly how it looks. Mm. Um, This is a real castle built in 1240 by Frederick II in the 18th century, described as the most fascinating castle built by Frederick II. The site is protected as a World Heritage Site. It also appears on the Italian version of the one-cent euro coin. And they mentioned Frederick II. So we're going to talk about him a little bit more. This is a little interesting. He was king of Sicily, king of Germany, king of Italy, and holy Roman emperor. And king of Jerusalem, his political and cultural ambitions were enormous. And he ruled a vast area beginning with Sicily and stretching all the way through Italy and north of Germany. He was excommunicated three times and often vilified in pro-papal chronicles of the time and after. Pope Gregory the Ninth went so far as to call him an antichrist. Nice. Damn. <laughs> Frederick's contemporaries called him Stuper Mundi, the astonishment of the world. Nice. The majority of his contemporaries were indeed astonished and sometimes repelled by the pronounced unorthodoxy of the emperor and his temperamental stubbornness. Awesome. He loved exotic animals in general. His menagerie with which he impressed the cold cities of northern Italy and Europe included hounds, giraffes, cheetahs, lynxes leopards exotic birds and an elephant Mm, he probably didn't take good care of them though so boo to this guy now thumbs down all of a sudden so um but i did read like 
actually, Attenborough went on to say that this guy knew about migration of birds and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Like, he had figured out all this That's stuff. Cool. So he was really smart, okay. but he also did some really fucked up things, mm. which I'm going to go on and talk right. about later. Okay, so, well, we'll come back to it. That tends to be the uh, pattern. He was ahead of his time. Doing weird stuff. But he also had scandalous indulgences. Uh, Ladies dancing with gold bikinis. Yeah. Here, they got some Princess Leia bikinis on. Oh, and Broom also (laughs) mentions, he mentions also that he was excommunicated and that he was called the Antichrist. Good. It's fine. But the other bad stuff that he did is bad. So... I don't know where do we land on this guy who's bad, probably right. Well, I think kings in general are bad. Yeah, we'll we'll, so, we'll we'll have more to talk about Frederick the Second. People who are kings are not good. The team check out the castle and they find all these weird monster statues inside. Mm. Kate wonders if this is his menagerie that he traveled around with, but they don't look like giraffes or lynxes. But Kate theorizes it might be a mythological menagerie. Her lips are not a consistent size. Rick Lacey, he kind of plays around with uh, like Hellboy is inconsistent from panel to panel, also. But I think it's kind of I think it's kind of uh, I think he's kind of like fast and loose. Mostly the same except for that panel. Kate says the San Nicola Pellegrino Church has a facade featuring the real animals of his menagerie. So that church that she mentions is called the Tranny Cathedral. And all I could find on Wikipedia, it says the facade is completed by three windows and a small rose window above the nave. They are decorated by animal figures. But I couldn't find that they were decorated by the menagerie figures. You know what I mean? So I was trying to find that link. I don't know if that's true or not. Let me know if that's historically accurate. I would be interested in that. And Hellboy wonders if the castle is the thing that's traveling instead of the menagerie. You know, that kind of reminds me of, do you remember the movie Kroll? No, I never saw that. That's like uh, an old school movie, right? That's like a cult classic. Yeah, it's uh, in the 80s. It's got Liam Neeson as a cyclops. Oh, it. shit. Uh, Liam Neeson is my shiznit. They're trying to get to this castle, uh, but the castle moves all the time. And so that's kind of reminded me of. Oh, the awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah, good catch there. Crow was a good movie. At least that's what I thought when I was a kid. <laughs> As they go into the castle, Kate's pretty pumped about the research aspect, and Broom is a- impressed with her knowledge, but Hellboy seems on guard. For good reason, too. As soon as the castle door closes behind them, all these booby traps go off. Hellboy has to save Broom from a giant mace smashing him, and then from a spike door coming down on him, which separates Broom and Hellboy from Kate. So Hellboy, at the end of this, he's like, damn it, are you okay, sir? Just a bit dusty, Broom says. Thank you. No need for all the cursing. <laughs> oh, damn. Because <laughs> damn it is such a, such a horrible curse. Kate's on the other side, and Hellboy says, just stay put. Work on that paper or something, because she was talking about her research. I'm going to see if we can find a way the hell out of here. Hellboy and Broom notice the head of the monk Anshin is trying to say something. They have it in this little box and they open it up. It says, not afraid, not hiding, not hiding. You should have thought of that 10 centuries ago, Romeo. Hellboy responds, right? Because he like ran away from (laughs) the lady and all that kind of stuff, right? Hellboy's worried about Broom proceeding ahead, but Broom says he knows his limitations. As they talk, we see some sort of monkey creature is listening to them and following behind. So I like this scene. Uh, I thought this was a funny beat. So they go into this one room and it's like a mortuary or something. There's like those drawers where they have all the bodies. And so they open one and there's like a dead body in there and Hellboy holds up the head of Anshin to the dead body. He's like, is this a friend of yours? (laughs) That's pretty good. Right. That's so good. (laughs) As they go into the next room, 
Rick Lacey recreates the portrait of Frederick II from the Manfred manuscript. This is from 1071. So that's the actual portrait. Uh, that's like historically accurate with that little bird or whatever. That's also in the portrait. And Hellboy and Broom see it, and Broom says that there are legends that Frederick is actually asleep, waiting to reestablish his empire. Sounds like King Arthur, Hellboy responds. So let's talk about this, right? Hellboy and King Arthur, right? Had that been established yet, or uh, is that just kind of coincidence, you know? That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, that's crazy. I just, uh, there are so many things in these comics that relate to the canon in one way or another but those things hadn't happened yet and all this kind of stuff so anyway i find that comment really interesting no i mean i agree with you there and broom mentions like this motif of the slumbering king he says uh some refer to him as the crimson king the crimson king this is the main villain in the stephen king's dark tower series i was just about to say that But it also made me think of King Crimson, the band, and then they have a song called The Court of the Crimson King. From what I understand, Stephen King um, kind of based the, the Crimson King off, off that song. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was, reading, I was reading something about that earlier today. Purple Piper tune, the choir softly sing, three lullabies in an ancient tongue. For the court of the crimson. So I kind of went down a rabbit hole on this. The guitarist of King Crimson, Robert Fripp, is quoted in the booklet accompanying the essential King Crimson box set by saying, The name King Crimson is a synonym for Beelzebub, which is an Anglicanized form of the Arabic phrase Bilsabab. This means literally the man with an aim, and it is the recognizable quality of King Crimson. So that's what the guitarist said. Yeah, King Crimson. It's a good band. You know, is Frederick II supposed to be the Crimson King? You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the line that they're tying here. And I went down this rabbit hole on that, and I found this whole Reddit thread about the band King Crimson, the song, and Frederick II. And so this user, Shiny Tan, on Reddit said, If you want to read an extremely thorough and concrete reading of all of Sinfield's lyrics for King Crimson, you can find a comprehensive series of essays hosted on his own website, but written by someone else. Oh, right. And I'll link this in the show notes. I actually was looking at this website. It's out there, man. There is some... Awesome. Uh, it's called songsouponsea.com. I would expect nothing less. The website <laughs> posits that the Crimson King is based on Frederick II, who is often mythologized as the first modern man. He was frequently at war with the papacy and was particularly invested in science and the arts. Nice. The website also further goes on to state that all four of the first King Crimson albums follow the path of this character, which first seems absolutely insane, but eventually becomes more and more compelling to me as I ride along. Pretty cool. I knew nothing of Frederick II before I stumbled my way and through this whole site, but it's a fascinating read, endorsed by Sinfield himself, who's the singer for King Crimson. Yeah. I don't think it's important to look at any of these records as being about a specific historic event or person, but this read of it traces a nice emotional arc through the first four albums about the incoherent conflict of progress and change. So yeah, you can, I'll I'll link that in the show notes. You can go down that whole rabbit hole. You can check out that website. But yeah, this idea that Frederick II is the Crimson King is like an actual thing. So I like that they incorporate that into the story. In uh, the Dark Tower series, the Crimson King is more akin to um, Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Right, right, Right. yeah. And you really only see him in the main series, like at the Dark Tower. Yeah. Right. Uh, Spoilers, 
Sorry. <laughs> Spoilers <laughs> for the Dark Tower. I like how Hellboy is like, ah, oh, the Crimson King, you say. That's yeah, really yeah. Interesting. That look on his face is priceless. Because yeah, he's a, you know. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even catch that. Next, Broom and Hellboy find a door with a sign on it in Italian. It says, love through silence and they shall speak the first true language of God. And so in there, they find beds and skeletons of kids. Where it says Silencio, I first thought of that scene in Mulholland Drive where they have the song Silencio. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Hellboy says Anshin's head is like a magnet pulling him towards the locked door. Broom looks for a key, but Hellboy has his own big key, right? Yeah. He smashes open the door, and Broom says... Now she's smashy. I'm quite aware of how you do your thinking, but I wish you'd use your head more, boy. We see that monkey thing is still watching them. I like the little thing on the door here. Oh, yeah, the little moon, yeah. That's good. You know, there was a moon door in Wake the Devil. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It was just it would look just like that one too. I think it had a face on the moon though. Yeah, like a moon door. Inside they find an ori. Though it's four hundred years ahead of Frederick's time, Broom says, it appears to be counting down. An ori is a mechanical model of the solar system or of the sun, earth, and moon used to represent their relative motions and positions. Whoa. Broom looks through Frederick's research and says He's so excited, impossibly preserved. Like that's the Book collector guy right, getting yes. excited about rare books and shit and scrolls and whatever. So he gets in there and he's like, children raised in science in an attempt to demonstrate they would speak Hebrew on their own. Jeez. Disembowelment to show effects <laughs> of sleep and exercise on digestion. Oh, that's no good. Experiments to prove the soul dies with the body. So these are actual things that we Frederick like II this. did. We don't like this about this guy, though. From Wikipedia, Frederick II was also alleged to have carried out a number of experiments on people. Oh. Among the experiments were shutting up a prisoner in a cast to see if the soul would be observed escaping through a hole when they died. Oh, I don't like that at all. Feeding two prisoners and having one sent out to hunt and the other one to bed and then disemboweling them to see which one had digested his meal better. I don't like this guy at all. And then he imprisoned Damn. and then he imprisoned children and denied them any human contact to see if wow. they would develop the natural language. Oh, that's real bad. So he had like uh Don't do that. He want he he thought that they would speak Adam and Eve's language. Uh-huh. You know, and uh-huh. so they were just, feral though instead. Just like like uh he had people like feeding them and making sure that they stayed alive, but like don't talk to them, don't give them any kind of socialization. It's really bad. He was hoping that they would just speak the language of God or something like that. He was experimenting. You it know what I mean? It was though, right? Like, that's just... Probably. He yeah. probably messed up a bunch of kids. Well, he absolutely messed up a bunch of kids. That's fucked up. He certainly had a unique curiosity. Science was uh, a different beast back then, no. Broom says. <laughs> no. No. Don't excuse atrocities for any reason. Yeah. There's no reason to do that. In the middle of this, Hellboy sees a barrel with a giant stone on top. So, of course, he's like, let me just take this off. Why would you do that? Obviously, it's keeping something no, in there. No, I'm not going to do that. Don't well, do I mean, that. it's Hellboy, you know. Yeah. He opens it, and there's a naked guy inside who screams, please have mercy. And in a second, he dies and decomposes and turns to a skeleton. Uh. Like, what? Okay. Like, as soon as he opened the thing, that like it, that was keeping him alive in there? or. Kind of like he was like in a like in a Ziploc bag. He was preserved, and then yeah, yeah, that was messed up. <laughs> that that I thought that was really a really good horror moment. Yeah, for this because I was like, what yeah. the shit is happening right now? I totally was like thrown off by that. I like how Hellboy's like, you know what? 
no. Let's, Something's let's way get off out here. Of here. But he goes, <laughs> I don't think we should keep doing this anymore, quite frankly. I think we should just not, actually. He's like, I've been doing this yeah. for a long time. And, and Broom also tells Hellboy, doing this makes me feel human. In all things, we are what we choose to be. Mm. Okay, yeah. I guess. I know what you mean, Hellboy responds. I know you do. I made sure of that, Broom Jeez. says. All right. So Broom pulls back this like curtain or sheet and he goes, oh, I think we found the menagerie. Yeah, but which one, the natural or the mythological? So they go down there and they find the remains of all these animals. Hellboy kneels and he looks at the skull of some horned beast. Distant relative, he says. And so there's this moment where Broom like touches his shoulder and he's like, that's not you. And then, because there's water coming down from the grate, so is it like, is that like an emotional moment? Like he's crying, but also, what is that supposed to be? Because there's a beat right there, you know, where he's like, he's having a moment. Broom is like, that's not you. I thought it was just like collecting himself. I don't know. Maybe, something like that. But he says, yeah. let's, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> there you go. Very, yes. you know. <laughs> they try to find a way out, and Broom proposes they go through the door that has the astrological symbol for the sun on it to get out. And when he opens it, the mythological menagerie. Oh, wow. We see some kind of big worm, like a cyclops monster, some kind of minotaur, a minotaur in here. amongst others. I like how they look very, like, non like, oh. Yeah, they're like, what? <laughs> and I love how Broom slams the door, like, and he goes on top of it. Like, that's very cartoony. That's you know what I mean? How you would yeah, close the door like that. And Hellboy says, uh, any thoughts? Yes, why don't you show them how you do your thinking, my boy? That's what he said earlier when he smashed the door. So he's like, yeah, go to work. My pleasure. We get an odd G's. Oh, yeah. And we also get a right hand of doom boom number 53 against some giant mythological monsters. There's like a giant like spider in there or something. Yeah, probably. I love all these cartoony monsters. Hellboy's blasting away like crazy, but he runs out of bullets and he gets punched in the head by a centaur. (laughs) (laughs) That's good stuff. I thought that was pretty great. Dealing with a shelob and a centaur and whoever else. The monsters are too much for Hellboy, so he just tries to hold them back at the doorway. And he tells Broom to get back and find Kate, find another way out. And suddenly we hear the Crimson King. I think we should add this monster to our menagerie, he says. The last demon creature has sadly moved on. After all, Hellboy, you're even less than a lowly man. And so there we see... Uh, the knight, you know, the Crimson King. He's in his red armor. Broom says, did I mention Frederick's enemies refer to him as Disciple of Beelzebub? Could have mentioned it sooner. I mentioned it. You Remember did. earlier when that. I couldn't pronounce yes, it right? Yes, you did. <laughs> Suddenly the monkey monster that's been following them jumps out. It tosses Broom aside, which, you know, they've been worried about him, so that's not good. And it starts at Hellboy, but the Crimson King calls it off, saying the Hellboy creature is his. And so Hellboy immediately runs over to check on Broom, who says, my boy, use head. So Hellboy's like, oh, right, use my head. Or so he turns around, he starts fighting. He punches the Crimson King, but he's totally unfazed. And he lifts Hellboy into the air, about to stab him through with his sword. Men are vile enough, the Crimson King says, and you're not even that. What can this miserable, decrepit male possibly offer? My humanity, Hellboy says as he holds back the sword. And he's like, wait, use head. What are you to talk about being human, the Crimson King says. Oh, I know what I am. And I know what you are, Hellboy says. Kiyohim! And he pulls back the Crimson King's armor. And it's the dragon lady under there. 
whoa, lady, you are ugly. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, uh, you know, she basically gives her backstory. The Crimson King, or Frederick II, he captured her. She was part of the menagerie. And then when he died, she used her power to take over the castle and the menagerie. Exposition. Traveling around the world and killing as many lying, manipulative men as possible. You know, those men are always so manipulative. <laughs> So Hellboy's like, it was you that made the birds bring down the plane just so you could add me to your zoo? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So they hear the head of Anshin speaks up and it's like, I will not hide my love this time. My regret, my shame. And so Hellboy realizes it was Anshin that started this whole thing. And she's like, Anshin, he destroyed my heart. I will have his head. And so Hellboy's like, you're not far off. You want him, lady? Take him. He's all yours. So he takes the head of Anshin that they've had in this box. And he throws it into the monster's mouth. And then she turns back into a naked lady. And she has Anshin's head. Anshin, my love, you have come back to me. Now we shall be together forever. And yeah. as she kisses the head, it turns back into him. But like, that. is it just his head? I don't know. Is it? Does it turn back into his... They don't show. I don't know about that. They just show his, his skull turns back into a face. But is she still just holding the head? I don't know. I don't like any of this. Right? Well... <laughs> I, I assumed he, his body just reformed back, you know, because, I mean, they're all dead anyway. I like, I like so. to think Any that she's just holding a head that has hair and skin on it. All of this is gross. Well, so. she's going to need to get a jar to put it in then. Gross. <laughs> so some pickle beer. the whole place starts crashing down and Hellboy sees a doorway open. He looks in there and there he sees the actual Frederick II that's waiting, that's still sleeping. Is it time? Not yet, Hellboy says. So he just leaves him in there. And as the place is falling apart, they start getting out of there. Hellboy says that Ori is counting down to something. I think the rock's going to teleport again. So they go to the wall where they got trapped in. Kate's still on the other side. And Hellboy crashes through with the right hand of doom. And just then the door starts opening. So they're able to actually get out of the castle. And when they get out, they're not in South America anymore. Kate, India yeah, wherever. Kate says, uh, the plane went down in the Brazilian forest. But then they're like, oh, the system shows you're in the Rajasthan Desert in India. Hellboy's still concerned about Broom, but Broom starts coughing and he comes to. You had it all figured out, sir, Hellboy says. It was Kiyohim. It took me a bit, but I caught on to you. I knew you would, and I heard you tell her you know what you are. And what exactly is that, my boy? I'm my father's son, Hellboy says. Aww. The end. We see the menagerie, one of those weird statues right there. Pretty good. I like uh, I like the Hellboy, Broom, and Kate. Kate wasn't in it as much, but uh, still a good little story. I, I liked that. There was so yeah. much historical fiction in this one. They even had like the portraits, which they do in the BPRD comics and stuff like that, the old paintings. Though that was pretty interesting. Um, in this one... We don't have a pinup by Mignola. Instead, we have a pinup by Rick Lacey of Hellboy for the Menagerie. So, yeah, I mean, this is pretty cool, but I wish we had a Mignola, you know, pinup in this. That would have been cool. Yeah. And for the last little story. So in the other ones, we had a little Hellboy story. And in this one, we have a different story with Abe, which I thought was interesting. It's called Small Victories story and letters by Blambot's Nate Pico. So he actually writes a story on this one. We've only seen him do the lettering so far. And the art is by Fabio Laguna. Laguna did the excellent art on that Hellboy, uh, young Hellboy Lobster Johnson short, Pyramid of Death. Remember that one? 
Uh, that was mm-hmm. a really cute one. So he returns yeah. for this one and colors by Michelle Madsen. So I just want to point on this first panel behind Professor Broom. There's a gold dragon. Gold dragons were featured in the BPRD series and the Lobster Johnson series. And uh, so, yeah, I always got to point that kind of thing out. Broom is approached by Abe in his office and he's like, oh, everything on this last mission went wrong. We couldn't secure Morin's haunted leg. I couldn't find a reference to that. (laughs) They damaged the BPRD vehicle, and worst of all, one of the agents almost lost his life because his firearm jammed. Broom says, no need, Abraham. Be thankful for small victories. The agent is alive, and there's always tomorrow to hunt for ghostly appendages. He's like, why don't you meet me in the library? We can have some tea and hang out. Sounds wonderful. Thank you, Professor. I want to have like a giant library and just go have some tea in there. That sounds really nice. Yeah, absolutely. So we see Abe in there. I like all the relics that Laguna put back there. And Abe's falling asleep as he's reading. Uh, Here we see that he's reading the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. This is a gothic novel by Scottish author Robert Louis Stevenson, first published in 1886. It's about a London legal practitioner named Gabriel John Utterson, who investigates strange occurrences between his old friend, Dr. Henry Jekyll, and the evil Edward Hyde. There's a guy, and he drinks a, he drinks a chemicals mixture, and he becomes a monster guy. Yeah. He's the Hulk. There you go. It coined the whole phrase, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. You know what I mean? To mean like the good side and bad side and all this kind of yeah. stuff. So There's a pretty good musical based on Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. Oh, really? Okay. He spills a cup, and the pens say Duda and Tati. I was going to say that. So I don't know what that is. Abe's falling asleep. He drops the book. Dropping the book causes him to get startled. He gets startled and he hits the cup. The cup knocks over all the pencils and the cup breaks on the ground. And I noticed that it said Duda and Toddy. I looked for that. I tried to look for different pens, styluses, um, ink pens or whatever. Uh, I couldn't find a reference to that. So I don't know what that's a reference to. If you know, well, it, might, uh, it might be like just like some nicknames for his friends or his something kids like that. Or yeah. Something. Or maybe I mean, I something. Know. Yeah. So Abe, he goes to pick up all the pens. He reaches under the desk and under there, there's like a little sculpture of a head and it's got these sharp barbs on the top. So Abe, he cuts himself on it. And just then this thing comes to life. It like turns into like an evil Abe. Or something like that, right? Because it has like BPRD on the back of its jacket and stuff like that. And it's got the, uh, like it spins like on right, his arms. Right, the gills and stuff. But it's like an evil version. And so here they just start wrecking the library. It's like throwing Abe across and all this kind of stuff. Abe tries to call in on his walkie, but then it fizzles out and it doesn't work. So like everything, I, I thought the story was so funny because he's just going to go in there and have some tea. And then he falls asleep knocks over the cut and then it just starts this whole cascade of like all these things happening the way that this kicks off is really humorous so finally a he tracks the thing down and he jumps at it with a halbert like an axe thing and he stabs it through just then they call in that they detect a structural collapse in the library and he's about to say send help but the monster smashes the intercom And it's like coming into Abe. I really like this because there's the halberd handle is stuck in the monster and he's coming towards Abe. And it's like the stick is kind of providing like uh, some leeway where it can't get close, but it just keeps getting closer and closer until the handle breaks and all of that. Just then Broom comes in with the two cups of tea, right? (laughs) What kind of tea do you think they have there? Chamomile. Oh, that's a nice relaxing tea. I like a blueberry chamomile. That's my favorite tea. <laughs> All right. I just had uh, some uh, honey chamomile. Oh, that sounds uh, really good. He's got fleur de lis yeah. on his um, little 
smoking jacket here. Oh, he does. What a nice little detail. That's cute. I didn't even notice that. Nice. And so uh, when Broom notices what's going on, he just goes, oh, my. He drops the tea and he says in Japanese, go to that place. Or I don't know. That's Google Translate no, version yeah, of that. No, yeah, I just, yeah. So the monster goes back into the little head, into that little head with the barbs on top. And so Broom helps up Abe, and Abe's like, I don't know. I'm What happened? I'm sorry. Nonsense, Abraham, Broom says. It's the end of the story now. I've been looking for wah, this. Wah. I've been looking for this since I fell asleep and knocked it off my desk years ago. Nonsense, Abe. The story's done. <laughs> that was a, a cute little one. Yeah, that one was cute. I think it's interesting how... You know, there's kind of like some heavy stuff in the actual story, and then it'll be followed by just like a little short, yeah, like just like a little funny thing to end the thing on. And yeah. I like that. It's you good know. to do. Yeah, it's good to do that. Awesome. Well, uh, so we're done, man. We are caught up as of right now. We've all read right. all the Hellboy comics, you guys. How about it? Oh wow, all the Hellboy comics. Do you feel like an insane person after reading all the Hellboy comics? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my brain is my brain has uh, been completely melted inside of my skull. It's leaking out of my nose and ears. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's that that's the Hellboy Book Club way, right there. It is also friendship. Also friendship. Lots of friendship. So yeah, we still have some great stuff planned for the show, and we've got some more movies to talk about. So we're going to do some oh, more man. movie club coming up. Oh, man. That is going to be really exciting. Oh, and yeah. then we'll have some listener feedback where we can talk about all the additional feedback on the Hellboy animated as well as some movie discussion. So I'm really excited for that. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. That was a fun little jaunt through the Hellboy animated universe. Uh, I want to hear what you thought. You can send us a hey, you damn guys at HellboyBookClub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website in our Facebook About sections and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Gautaharn for the theme music. Thank you, Paul. Yes. Thank you, Mark Trudell, for all your help with the reading order and that lovely intro you sent us this morning. That was great. Thank you, John, for all your hard work and making all this possible. Fucking three, four years. Wow, man. That's amazing. I know. And thank you, Danielle, for always being awesome i don't do anything except being a little shit just being an absolute just being an absolute jackass all the time that's my that's my superpower you can uh find the podcast on apple podcast podbean spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcast from and uh if you're listening to it on the apple podcast uh, once you open it up and give us a five-star rating that would be very much appreciated thank you very much yes next week we are doing another movie commentary and we are watching oh, hellboy 2 the Golden Army. So, pull out your Blu-rays, your DVDs, your 4Ks, uh, find them streaming. I'm going to be watching it on the digital version that I bought like a while ago or something. I can't remember how I got it. Uh, and join us. Find a way to transfer it to film. Like yes. those little reels, like oh, the reels. yeah. Go, and go. like, like uh, project it onto the back of your house or something. Yes. Yeah. Do that. Uh, Do that and invite us over. Yeah. But we'll have to all be safe. We'll be outside. I said outside. Outside, yeah. You wear a mask if you want to. You wear a mask. That's okay. Uh, yes, definitely wear a mask. Mask up. And uh, join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. Um, get a fucking vaccine. <laughs> just fucking, just get Do it. it. <laughs> What's the matter with you? And I'm real of saying, okay, something's way off here. Yes. Yeah. It is. All the Hellboy comics. Yeah. How about that? All of them. All the comics.
That's not my particular hinkle pink. What the hell is a hinkle pink? 